Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. In this episode, we explore the spiritual dimensions of type two. Am I giving and and what if it's not appreciated or received or reciprocated? Am I still happy giving? That's a clean giving. So Sandra, good to be with you again in our recordings in Asheville. Yeah, same here, Chris. I've enjoyed this time with you. Thank you. Learning together. Yes, I'm excited that we are going to be looking at the spiritual growth and the spiritual aspects of uh, type two. Yeah, yeah. So before we launch into that, I want to invite our listeners to open all three brains uh, as we gather for... Um, so that we can be in that grounded in our bodies and curious in our minds and open in our hearts. This allows us to be present, to receive this good information and journey that we're on together. We want to invite each of us, um, the type two in each of us, particularly to listen in as we have this conversation with Mary Beth Gwynn. So if you will take a deep breath with me. The virtue for two is humility. Now, that's a word we can easily misunderstand. Uh, It certainly isn't any kind of let me be a doormat, but it's the humility that has me standing in the truth of who I am in a way that my yes is a true yes and my no is a no. And so there's a natural um, giving and receiving, just a natural flow between the two. So humility in that respect would be the opposite of the vice pride, which has twos saying yes without the nose attached. So humility is that balancing act, really, for type two. And I like to think of it as the narrow gate, really, into the enlightened spiritual perspective of type two, which is holy freedom, which is free from others' expectations now. So twos haven't set set themselves up Uh, in ways that others would expect them to continue doing what they've always done because twos can't say no. So in holy freedom, they have found that balance of yes and no, and they are free to take care of their own needs and to ask others for support. So it's a freedom that truly within all twos, there's a yearning for this. And today we're just delighted to uh, welcome and introduce Mary Beth Gwynn, who's going to articulate some of the uh, gifts and challenges of the spiritual journey of type 2. And Mary Beth is a soul awareness uh, healer person, and she's facilitated soul work for over 25 years, coming to the work through being a client and experiencing in herself the soul's tremendous power for healing and transformation. So in addition to this soul work, She also has a left-brain experience of of receiving an MBA in finance. She's lived and taught in Bangkok, Thailand, and has served as acting director for a law school library, worked on the business side of a major metropolitan newspaper, 
and served as assistant to the VP of communications at a national media company. So she brings a lot of varied experience uh, to us today. So thank you, Mary Beth, for being with us. Welcome. Hmm. I want to begin by uh, reading these words from Rumi, Mary Beth. There's a force within that gives you life. Seek that. In your body, there lies a priceless jewel. Seek that. If you are in search of your greatest treasure, don't look outside. Look within and seek that. So Mary Beth, what in those words um, resonates with you as you live this type two patterns and habits? Well, I think that's been the biggest challenge is to realize. So in my work, I realized in soul work that the deeper I went, the better it got. Mm. And that was a revelation. Mm. Um, even, I mean, I, it was astounding. Uh, my assumption was, was quite the opposite. Mm. And so um, the idea of um, finding it all within is a real revelation to me. Yeah. Yeah, twos tend to seek externally for approval out there. And you're finding that it's actually an inside job, huh? It's an inside job, yeah. 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 <laughs> so this word humility in the language of Enneagram, what, what, how does that speak to you? What's your experience of it? Well, it's taken me a while to understand what, it, what that mm. meant. And it, ha it does mean freedom. It's like become one of my most favorite words. It, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's standing in that balance of both giving and receiving, not being, um, of owning my own needs, of mm. letting myself into my own heart. Mm. Um, what I would tend to do, and, and still tend to do, a kind of a knee-jerk reaction as a two, is to tend to focus on everybody else's need as if I were like this outside, like a demigod, you know, that had no needs and would, could take care of everyone else. Mm. And, and the idea of, of including my own needs in was, um, felt very uncomfortable you know, for me. And, uh, but then, of course, if I, as I would continually overgive, I'd start to feel resentful. Sure. Right. You know, yeah. because I was, you know, giving too much. And so it just gets to be this whole manipulation of, of trying to secretly get my own needs met by, and, and hoping I'm cueing other people um, th that, <laughs> that I want what I'm offering them. <laughs> That's a great and, word. And sometimes they don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times they don't get it, right? A lot of times they don't get it. And so this whole like uh, coming into um, b balance and dealing with that worthy, not worthy, that one's being rather than one's role is what is valuable, mm -hmm. has been, you know, decades long. Um, teaching for me and that feels like humility right you know, standing mm -hmm. standing in the middle of that and that um gives me this freedom that you mentioned i just have yearned for it's that freedom from roles from mm -hmm. you hear that the common among the heart types the twos threes and fours this playing a role 
and this sort of like, what is my image and what's the role? And so as mm-hmm. you say that, I, I resonate with that as a heart type mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you bring forth part of this type structure, which is giving and then overgiving, mm-hmm. uh, which is, which throws any of us off balance and fatigues us and we can get resentful. How have you worked with the giving aspect, Mary Beth, on your journey toward having more moments of humility? Uh, how do you know when you're overgiving and what creates that? And um, I think his name is Adam Grant. He's a uh, f- professor at Wharton and mm. in the, in the uh, graduate program. And he wrote a book, I forget the name now, but of, about giving and sustainable giving. And that has been like a light you know, for, oh. it's been, be, because it turns out that the, of course, that the person who, who gives um, indiscriminately um, burns out quickly. Mm-hmm. And so he has these guidelines for how to give sustainably. And so his guidelines have been very helpful to me in a practical way. Mm. So um, you give to people who can really receive it and who are likely to pass it on. You give to people when it sustains you, when you feel start feeling depleted. Mm. That's an indication you're giving inappropriately. Mm-hmm. You decide who it's important to give to. Um, um, so there's a list of priorities. Mm-hmm. So it's not just... The, the first person you happen to see and sometimes and I'm being a crazy too that'll happen mm. you know I want to and that can lead to being intrusive you right. know helping you because you need it and I can see it you know whether you <laughs> want really, it or not really right wanted it or not yeah yeah being being so helpful um and and then there's this giving like giving what you give best so he's very discriminating in um um, what he what he gives, and he gives the things that w- it nourishes him to give, and that's likely what you're likely to be very good at giving right. and have your greatest, mm. you know, gifts. Yeah. And um, what what nourishes you to give? Oh, when I see p- when people heal, mm. when they see another way, you know, an opening. Um, when they begin to let themselves into their own hearts. I love that phrase you're using, letting me into my own heart. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, so something, not just for me, but I noticed about another people in the helping professions, we sort of stand, stand outside and look at everything that needs to be done and are reluctant to include ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm, yeah. And so when we do, and that takes a lot of humility. Yep. Um, right. For me it does because I have a strong one wing. I know how imperfect I am. And so I have a lot of judgments about what I have to do or be next in order to be acceptable to myself. Mm-hmm. And the kind of love the soul offers is unconditional. And so it's like a... a a um, surrender of the ego. The ego thinks it's like dying, but a surrender of the ego's judgment about right and wrong and good and bad and worthy or unworthy mm-hmm. and s- receiving or surrendering to the mm-hmm. soul's love. And that's, boy, that's a real hit in humility. Mm-hmm. And it's very freeing. Yes. But it's, mm-hmm. what, what helps you, supports you to surrender to, to the soul's love? What, what helps you do there, get there? Mm-hmm. 
just pain. You know, when it gets to be too painful to not do that, mm. that's, oh. part, that's part of it. You had so much that you've given us about type 2 just in that short piece uh, a moment ago. And one of the things you brought up was this, I don't know why others can't see what I need. I mean, we kind of laughed about it because twos are so good at seeing what others need. Mm -hmm. But the rest of us aren't as adept. It's a good thing because then (laughs) it makes, for one thing, it makes us state clearly what our needs are and what we want. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's a good teaching. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds like so full of hubris to not want to say what you need. Mm. Yes. Because um, we're human, we all have needs. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard. It's a pride thing. It is, for, yeah. all, for all of us. And part two. of the maintaining the role. I'll be loved if I'm the perfect giver. Right. That's, right. yes. Absolutely. And if I'm not the perfect giver, then I'm not going to be loved. And, and then, and then, and then, and then, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the spiral down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So what, uh, Mary Beth, what are some of the practices, spiritual practices that sustain you, that help you grow, that help you live in this more place of humility or, um, yeah, what what have you found has been helpful for you? Well, nature certainly is Mm. and beauty is all kinds of, all kinds of beauty, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of opens the heart that way. Um, You know, getting to do the work that I do, I'm so profoundly grateful for that I get to do this work because it brings me so much joy. And so that brings me, I can't do it without feeling gratitude. Mm. And so that um, is a spiritual practice for me. Mm-hmm. It's lovely when your work is spiritual practice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's a, uh, a blessing I can hardly imagine. Mm-mm. Yeah, that I get to do what I love. And it was about after the. Um, so just to let you know, like like what a s- kind of entrenched two I am. It probably took about five hundred sessions, feeling at everybody, uh, at their core, their soul's light. I mean, it's impossible for me to do my work and in some way not fall in love with the client. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I, and that I began to consider that maybe that was true for me too. Oh, mm. wow. And so, so it, you know, the, I'm, I'm so profoundly grateful to the, you know, I was mm-hmm. that stuck in mm-hmm. um, being sure that um, it wasn't there for me. And the hubris of that, mm-hmm. as if I was so special and mm-hmm. being so terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> 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 or so, you know, whatever. Yeah. I love you talked about including yourself. You've known that said that a couple of times. Like mm-hmm. include myself mm-hmm. in what the needs are or include myself in as part because that's part of the balance. Right. Yeah. If it's not to get that, if it's not right for me, then it's not something's not right about the whole picture. Yeah. And before I, you know, it was nice. always if every, it was nice for everybody else, then it was right. But but to include and that takes a humility for me as a two to let myself be part of this sounds so, I mean, it's sort of embarrassing, isn't it? But to let myself be included in the rest of everybody else. What about, um, is there an, an image of the divine that's particularly meaningful for you or one that's been healing for you in your growth? 
Well, I have a I have a lot of Kuan Yin statues and little mini altars around my house. So, mm-hmm. so she certainly is. Um, but it's mainly the energy that runs through nature. Mm-hmm. I, that's mm-hmm. how I knew God initially as a child, and mm-hmm. that's um, I could feel that life, you know. And I mm-hmm. I decided it had to be the Holy Spirit because I couldn't fit the other two in the of the Trinity into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the Holy Spirit could do that. <laughs> it's <laughs> a great thing about it. the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's a great thing. Yeah. That fluidity. <laughs> that fluidity. And I could, I could, I mean, it was a, it wasn't a believing in it. It was a, a, a sensing and a knowing of it. So I know that that's a blessing too, to, to be able to feel that, um, that life behind the form of thing, that consciousness behind the form of things. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it sounds like being in nature now is important to you. It is. It's sustaining, and and it, I, you know, it's it's um, the same energy that we we run on, mm-hmm. that or or ideally run on, and so this open receptivity to what's wanting to happen, and so it it's a good tuning fork, mm. you know, for me. What's your greatest invitation to grow spiritually right now? Oh, what a beautiful question. Hmm. Well, there are going to be a number of answers. Great. One of them is high adventure. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the, also the, the, the deeper one goes, there's, there's just more dimensions of oneself that open up. Um, so the deepening, the expansion are almost simultaneous. Mm. And there, it's it's as exciting as I imagine traveling in outer spaces and exploring. I was always a Trek, a Star Trek uh-huh, fan, uh-huh. Or, or, and so, um, so it's a it's this very high sense of adventure is mm-hmm. one is one thing, and then the 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 goodness behind things, you know, letting myself perceive that more, see it more. Um, and including myself in that, mm. that's a real adventure. It's a joy to be able to do the work that I do because of, you know, feeling the, 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 the goodness in everyone. Mm. Yeah. And it's, that's um, a joy. Mm. I understand you're getting ready to head on a, on a road trip. Is we right? are, yes. Is that, is that part of the adventure? Uh, is that, does that, I don't know if that relates or not, but it's what popped in my head. Well, it's an adventure for us in our marriage that we just get up every day and decide, well, where are we going to go next? Yeah. We have de- vague kind of plans. But, but that's actually how it has to be when, I, so, when, when, I, when I'm doing my work. So in my personality, I'm a pretty type A. I, I want to I know what's happening. Uh, I'm a INFJ. And so when I do my work, I have to not know, literally from mm-hmm. moment to moment, and mm-hmm. be open and receptive to that M- wonderful teaching for me. I can't do the work otherwise. Right. And so some of that is bleeding over into um, um, the rest of my life, mm. you know, like nice. being able just to travel and see what might happen. Actually, it's been bleeding over a lot. It, um, I'm much less rigid, more curious about what's going to happen, more trusting about um, um, uh, the outcomes 
of, of possible outcomes and not and not knowing getting excited rather than anxious about not knowing what's going to happen because it's it's such an adventure and right. you don't, you don't yeah know. and that's that's the core of the type right there so for type two mary beth you're saying you no longer have an agenda and yet you're not manipulating for a particular outcome at my best and well, it's, ble- it's bleed over. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's still a lot of <laughs> that I, other I stuff going that, on. But, yeah. But how lovely is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's a relief for the people I love? <laughs> <laughs> also. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. What What helps you to not know? You talked about a moment ago. I'm struck by that image of, um, you know, you have to not know in order to do your work. Oh. It's trust. So, so when I had, when I was a client and, and receiving this work long, long time ago, um, my, my uh, facilitator, we were part of a, a larger, she assembled a kind of spiritual group small around us and she said you'll never believe what I got I mean you we were intimate enough we would talk a little bit about what went on in each other's sessions and she'll and she'd say she said uh, you'll never believe what what Mary Beth was able to say in a session today and it was I am willing to consider the possibility of surrender that's you know that's all the soul needs is that little crack mm, that right. little tiny crack we don't have to know how to do it so your question was what helps me so out of that, over those decades, ha- decades has come a sense of trust in the universe, mm-hmm. which, um, a, 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 you know, a tr- yeah, a trust. So I can be curious and, and assume that things might be hard, but ultimately, um, well, not it's all good. Mm. E- everything, without exception, is good at its core. Mm. So, mm. You know, um, it's just seeing behind and seeing behind. So the way it, something, someone may work something out may be very destructive, but the inner goodness and you know the inner drive at the core is good. What about um, trusting the universe that all needs are taken care of? I kind of clutched there a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's a good question, Chris. Yeah, I cl- yeah be- because um, it may be that the better good is that the need, as the person identifies it, isn't getting taken care of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, oh. so how one defines what mm-hmm. need is. Then. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But, but, that the, but that the universe is beneficent and utterly trustworthy, and at the core of everything is, is goodness. Um, th- that, I haven't had to believe, I've gotten to experience mm, it, mm. and everybody else, and, and uh, now increasingly myself. Mm. I ask, thank you, I ask that because part of the, the sort of growth of the two is recognizing that I don't have to meet the needs, because in, some, in, a, in a universal oh. sense, mm-hmm. all needs are already cared for, right? Right. Or, and it's not mine to meet every need. Right. That's, right. Yeah, That's it's right. It's not, not my... Mm-hmm. So, so some of it, if I'm feeling depleted, I know I'm giving too much. If I start to feel resentful, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. If, um, if there's, there's a kind of puffed up 
look what I did feeling that is a real sure symbol of that's that pride is that pride pride. yeah yeah look what a great giver I am (laughs) caretaker whatever whatever you know you know is that that and it's a false it's not satisfying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mary Beth is there in any other indicator besides fatigue that you're overgiving well resentment Mm -hmm. Um, anything before you hit those oh how hmm. to capture that before you get tired or resentful what what would that be no if i'm on if i'm on a, a what do you call it a tear <laughs> oh yes that's right <laughs> our I, automatics I, I, I bump i bump into that mm-hmm. that that's the first thing i kind of mm-hmm. notice mm-hmm. so if i'm being conscious i'll have to keep i'll feel my impulse to give and if i stop and say is this for me to give and am i energized by this and how am I energized? Am I energized by getting puffed up or am I mm. energized? Because there is a real pleasure in giving. So, yeah. And that's, I've been allowed to uh, learn how to connect with that as I give in a more balanced way. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not like having to give. It's just, there's a joy. Oh, can, am I giving? And, and what if it's not appreciated or received or reciprocated? Am I still happy giving? That's a clean giving. Ooh. Yeah. So, so it's whether something is clean or not clean, you know, whether there's strings attached or not. Oh, that's a great distinction. Yeah. It is for me. It's yeah. It is yeah. for me. It was it was humbling for me to notice how much of my giving was um, with strings attached, with another agenda behind it. Right. <laughs> I like your word clean. Yeah. yeah. Clean giving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And clean receiving. And clean receiving. Mm. I don't know what clean receiving is so much. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. that I don't have to give back. That right. I can just accept yes. it. Just a, yes. Okay. There's no keeping score. Right? There's no keeping it score. It isn't a transaction. Yeah. It isn't. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I remember our mentor and friend David Daniels, Chris, would say when... When giving and receiving come from the heart, they're the same act. Yes. Yeah. So, so letting yourself receive really gives to the other person because I, I'm really acutely aware that what mm-hmm. a gift someone gives me if they really receive what I'm offering. Right. And and so yeah, so getting that that it works that I, you know that's sometimes it's for me to receive mm-hmm. as a way of. Um, letting someone else have the pleasure of giving. That's true. And it's also sometimes just to receive, just to receive. It's not about the other person at all. Well, yes. <laughs> Bingo. Yes. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Yes, that's right. Sometimes Staying it's with just self about, there. Just about the receiving, which is all that's really going on anyway. Mm-hmm. It's always, we're just all receiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mary Beth, yeah, for this time. Thank you so time. much. Thank you. It's lovely to be with you. Thanks. Yeah. It's been fun to do this. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, Mary Beth, we'd like to close with a prayer for the type as we look at the spiritual dimensions of the type. So this is a prayer for type two. Loving lap, as I rest in your care, anchor me in my humility that I may know myself more fully honoring my limitations as well as my own gifts. I desire to be real. 
I desire to be discerning in what is mine to do and not do. Empty me of my need of approval and my list of all who need me. Guide me in the ways of being receptive that I may participate more fully in my own life. Open my heart to the support of others. Remind me of my interdependence so that I no longer inflate my own abilities, but am grounded in the reality of who I am. Grant me a willingness to be open to what arises, that I may find freedom in your unconditional love. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. With heartfelt gratitude, I'm Sandra. And I'm Chris, and we invite you to continue to look courageously and lovingly at what is. We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University School of Divinity, for their financial and institutional support. For Sally Ann Morris, who composed our theme music, and for Toby Becker, who provided graphic design. Thanks to Eric Merle for his editing expertise, to Tom and Lynn Berner, who provided recording space. And to the narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. And special thanks to all of our guests. We offer this podcast as a free resource for personal and spiritual growth. And in order to continue this work, we need your support. Please visit our website, heartoftheenneagram.com, to make a contribution and to purchase our companion book. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.